Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I am here with my girlfriend Jessica. Hello. It's finally Spooktober. It's it October is. when this is up. What the fuck? It's went so fast, but I am so excited. We have so many good episodes planned. Can I tell them what's coming back? Yeah. Okay. Vital Conversations is coming back. And for the month of October, it will be every Thursday episode. And we have some great guests. We are excited. And we are going to keep Vital Conversations in the mix as we move forward, as schedules allow. So yeah, super excited about that. We have some awesome creator and podcaster friends that are going to be coming to your ear hole soon. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, because we haven't done a Vital Conversations in like, I don't know, a year and a half. Two years. Oh my God, true. I didn't even think about that. Sorry. So Vital Conversations (laughs) is where Tara and I interview different people. Uh, They either are other podcasters or kind of our group this time is like between podcasters and TikTokers. Yeah. And um, that do true crime and paranormal stuff. So I was really excited to do them. And there's one I'm really excited about. We just did this week. Oh, yeah. That's coming in November, though. Yeah. I know. It makes me sad so far out. It's one of our oldest podcast friends. Yeah. And you guys are going to be fucking pumped, too. But also, I do want to, like, disclaim. I'll probably disclaim on the intros of these as well, at least on the first one. These are not going to be the same structure as, like, a regular episode. Oh, we for sure. wanted to do something where we are talking about the topics that obviously are in our niche. So, true crime, spooky, horror, all that shit. But... We wanted to keep it more conversational. And I know like recently you guys have started to see our personalities a little more. I don't know what took so long, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So this is just another way for that, I feel. So I think you guys will enjoy them. We have been enjoying recording them. We have started recording those since August. Yeah. So yeah, super freaking excited. But today, before we get into this case, if you are new here, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the handle at Three Spooked Girls. We also have a discussion group. You can come hang out with us in Three Spooked Girls Official. We not only talk about, we have discussion threads for the episodes, but we talk about like all things, all things spooky and all things true crime. And we are right now, we're in the middle of Secret Satan. So if you are signed up for that, please do not forget to mail out your gift by October 15th. 
And yeah, it's going to be a great time. Some people started posting theirs already. Oh my God, you guys are amazing. You outdo yourself every fucking year. Did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? It can lead to acne, allergies, and stuffy noses, and it's just gross. Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding such as sheets, pillowcases, and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria and require three times less laundry. These sheets have self-cooling properties for better quality sleep. Using silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to help keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so you get better sleep every night. Go to trymiracle.com slash spookedgirls to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying for yourself or as a gift from a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code spookedgirls at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash spookedgirls and use the code spookedgirls to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash spookedgirls to treat yourself. Thank you to Miracle Made for sponsoring this episode. And if you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls. For as little as a dollar, you get one bonus episode a month. Our patrons just got one more episode for their all tier for September on an OJ documentary that was, I would say it's very different than pretty much every other documentary on that case. Or any case, really. Or any case. Yeah, it's super great. So if you want to check that out, you can join for as little as a dollar on that. And for five and up patrons, there is video content. And I will say for the vital conversations, those videos will be available for Five Nut patrons. So if that interests you, check it on out. Jess and I are also both on threads and I am on TikTok. You can find all of our information in the show notes in the link tree. All right. So we're going to be talking about the murder of Chelsea Brooke today. So Chelsea Brooke was born on January 28th, 1992 in Trenton, Michigan to Matthew and Leanda Brooke. She was the youngest of five children. She has three sisters and one brother. She attended St. Patrick Elementary School and graduated from Monroe High School. And she planned to attend Monroe Community College to earn a culinary degree. Oh, I like a good chef. At the time of her murder, she was employed at Olga's Kitchen in the Mall of Monroe. She had been working there for four years as a hostess and server. She was said to love watching movies. Musicals were her favorite, which doesn't probably surprise you. She's also a music lover. Typically, those go hand in hand. (laughs) It's true. Her favorite band was Queen, and she enjoyed playing video games, mostly Final Fantasy VIII. And her favorite TV show, I loved this, my heart was like, aw, was Doctor Who. Aw. I know. Jess and I went through a really big Doctor Who phase, like, years back. Like, stronghold on both of us. I mean, I still like it. I just haven't watched it in a long time. I got really sad when Matt Smith went away. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even finish watching his series, but that was the last Doctor I saw. I watched a little bit of Peter What's-His-Face, but it was, like, for me, it was, he was so angry. I was like, no. Mm. Yeah. She also enjoyed reading and baking, which the baking makes sense with the culinary interest. And she was an animal lover, especially her dog and cats. 
their family grew up very tight knit. She was close with her siblings and she just loved being part of the Brooke girls. Oh, I love that. I love a good yeah. sibling love, like when you're just friends with your siblings. Exactly. Now, we're going to jump ahead to the night in question, which is October 25th, 2014. So that night, Chelsea made plans to go to Big Mike's, a.k.a. Michael Williams, his annual Halloween party. And this was going to be in Frenchtown Township in Michigan, obviously, with a few of her friends and some of her co-workers from Olga's Kitchen were going as well. And everybody was looking forward to it. Big Mike's parties were described as one of the events. It was very well known. The parties were always said to be huge, super fun, and they were memorable. And he held these annual Halloween parties at his mother's farm in one of the fields. And it always brought huge ass crowds, like hundreds of people. And for this party in particular, there's reports ranging from 600 to 1,000 people. Oh, damn. Big Mike is yeah. throwing like ragers. Yes. And they were like all day ragers. They'd start at like noon. I really hope he charged like a cover charge because that shit's got to be expensive. Literally, because that's so much work. Because at first I'm like, damn, that is an insane amount of people. But I'm like, well, one, you're in a field. And two, if it's going that long, obviously people will come and go. My first thought is like, fuck, how much money did you just spend on alcohol? Right. Well, he was like in a band. So I, I don't know. But apparently it was like... It was his thing that he did every year. So good for them. Hopefully they crowdfunded properly. Yeah. But if, if not, not like if people aren't paying them. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So Chelsea and one of her friends, Becky, decided to go to the party dressed as villains from Batman. So Chelsea was Poison Ivy. She looked super cute. She made her own costume using a green leotard. She stitched in leaves and flowers on it, you know, and then she wore black leggings and red flats with it. And she also had a like a maroonish purplish wig. And she was carrying, I love this, she was carrying a bottle of wine that she labeled as poison. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, to just like go with her look. So she rode with her friend Laura to the party and she brought her overnight bag with her because she had planned to stay the night with Laura and left her bag in the car. And I believe this, I I watched a video on this and I think like Laura was the mom friend, Ah. like literally had a kid. She would go out like sometimes with them. So that's important to know later. So they go to the party around 10 p.m. and Laura recounts that like it looked as fun as they thought it would be. There was two larger tents on the property that had been set up and like I said, the reports between 600 to 1,000 people. So it was like, a oh, fuck, that's like a mini festival, basically. <laughs> that is a mini festival for sure. Yeah. Shortly after they arrived, Chelsea hit the bridge of her nose by walking into a wooden structure accidentally. And I laugh because like... That's a very me thing. I'm very accident prone. And it was hurting so bad she wanted to leave the party. But her friends were like, no, stay. It'll be okay." Like, obviously, probably like, hey, just fucking drink. You'll be good. Right. (laughs) The alcohol will numb you. Been there. Been there. Been there. (laughs) And like I said, Laura's a mom, right? So she left around 1 a.m. and she couldn't find Chelsea when she was leaving. Like, she had to go home. She had to leave. Right. It's not like she's like, I just want to go home. It's like she had responsibilities. Exactly. Because a lot of people gave her her shit for this but like i'm like she w- didn't know what was gonna happen 
Well, and also like they're adults. Exactly. They're not at some like creepy bar and she's left her left her alone with like five fucking dudes. You know what I mean? So And I mean at that point they had like, you know, probably gone their separate ways for the night. And it is the person's responsibility to like be like, if my ride is leaving, make sure I stay in contact with them. Yeah. Cause if Laura is the mom gr- mom of the group, she probably was like, I'm leaving at this time. Probably, yeah, but Yeah. So she gave Chelsea's bag and phone to one of their other friends chelsea never showed up at her house so becky left her a message like a voicemail the next day Mm -hmm. at her house because i'm they must have had like a landline or something and let her know that her phone and her stuff were at her house it was like 10 a.m it was like the next day she's like oh she's probably sleeping it off whatever she's like i'll just leave a message and basically told her like hey come get it whenever you're up and moving. Mm-hmm. Well, later that evening, so the evening of the 26th, Chelsea's sister contacts Becky via Facebook and tells her that Chelsea had not come home the night before because Chelsea still lived at home. Becky thought that she, maybe she stayed with another one of their friends since that was like, oh, okay, she's not coming with me. She's going to go with you. Cool. Whatever. Like, type of thing. Mm-hmm. However, the following day, the 27th, no one had heard from Chelsea. Oh, no. Yes. So her family reported her missing. Now, police, like I told you guys, police discovered the party started at noon and it went on until 6 a.m. the next morning. Damn. Yeah, fucking insane. And a number of people saw Chelsea at the party between 1 and 3 a.m. She approached multiple people to ask them if she could use their cell phones. Some said she was upset and crying and trying to get a ride home with her friends. Someone named Gavin Hewlett let her use his phone at 1 a.m. She told him that her friends had left the party and she was crying at that point. Between 2 and 3 a.m., Alexandra Fraunhofer also also let Chelsea use her phone to find a ride home from the party. And Chelsea's friend Penny was at the party with her that night and told police that she received a call from Chelsea from an unknown number at 2.30 a.m. asking for a ride. Penny told the police that at the time she was already home and in no condition to drive. So Chelsea was last seen with an unknown man in the parking lot outside of one of the party tents at 3 a.m. And of course, as soon as Chelsea's reported missing, her family just springs into action. So they, of course show up at Big Mike's mom's property where the party was and ask if they can look for her, if they can do their own search. And he's like, yeah, cool, go for it. Um, Spoilers, Big Mike did not kill Chelsea. Oh, good. I was like, please don't be Big Mike. He's the party thrower. Like, no, 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 no. So, oh, okay, I did have, I was like, I knew I had his band in my notes. So Mike was a singer in a band called Pickaxe Preacher. And Chelsea had been a fan of the band and had actually been to two previous parties thrown by Big Mike. Oh, Nice. Yes. So that Monday, Mike had stated, quote, I took the dog out for a walk looking for Chelsea. Then he stepped on a fox trap as I'm looking. Oh, no. I'm walking back with him. I have blood on me and the family is in my yard. It just looked really bad. Oh, no. He's like, I was trying to help and I got attacked by a fox trap. His dog. Yeah. Oh, no. It was his dog that was hurt. So he took his dog to the vet and he said by the time he got back, there was 20 cars there. And he's like, so I helped search. He goes on to say, it was a circus for two weeks in my yard, constant news crews and search parties. And, you know, the thing is, when they talk to him about his party, he's like, no, these are planned to a T. Like, obviously, he said, the really thought out parties. I had 15 guys running security for me. I had organized parking and we had people running the park, like, you know, park people. Oh, wow. So like they they like did all the shit, which I'm like for a party that size. Yeah, that's good. That's not a party. That's like a that's an event. Right. Exactly. Exactly. 
And SWAT came and paid him a not-so-fun visit. He said, they weren't very nice to me. I even let them in. They talked very nasty to me, threw me on the ground, and told me they were going to shoot my dog. What? Yeah. They dug up stuff I burned back in high school. I mean, that's how far they dug back. Wow. He also talked about how so many people blamed him for the disappearance because the party and they were like, oh, you shouldn't be throwing such like big ass ragers, blah, 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 and all this stuff. And he's just like, it just got, honestly, I feel so bad for him because like so many people were like not respecting his privacy whatsoever. He said people like were coming at all different times of the night to come by there. Some lady came at 3 a.m. with her dog and was like searching around their yard. And then somebody else, no, this one's even worse. Somebody else had drones and were like trying to peek in their windows. Okay, that's a little intrusive. Like, don't do that. Don't do that shit. And then of course, like, for authorities, there was helicopters all over the house, all of that. And he said, this was the first time in my life I didn't feel safe in my home. And that makes me so sad because it's like, damn, he had nothing to do with it. Right. And he was being so helpful. Exactly. Like, I'm sorry, a guilty person's not going to just be like, hey, SWAT, come on in. Also, like the fact that he was like the family went out there like what the next day and was like, hey, can we look? And he was like, sure. Like, it kind of reminds me. And helped them. Like, remember that case that we did that was in Oklahoma? The one where it was like, you can't go fucking search our property. Yeah. A guilty person would have been like, no, do not come on my property. Exactly. There would have been someone there. And Mike doesn't even know. He had over, like, they had about a thousand people there. He doesn't know her. Yeah. He didn't even know her. He was just like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Well, and if someone did kill her there, it's not like he would know. No. Because there's so many fucking people. Right. So volunteers posted missing flyers everywhere. They literally handed out thousands of flyers, leaflets, all of that shit. So the original reward was $17,000 for any details on her whereabouts. It increased later on to $30,000 due to donations from the local community. I like that. Me too. And her parents, you know, they were being very proactive. They did public appearances. They would, you know, get on camera like and just be begging for their daughter to be returned safely to them. Can't even imagine. And of course, detectives question everybody who attended the party in hopes that they might find out some kind of like lead to go off of. Like I said, is very conflicting on what people were saying, but some partygoers told the investigators that they saw her leave with that man I mentioned earlier. But it was like very vague. There was no like serious info to really help them with any of this. Until they did talk to somebody who said they saw Chelsea walking towards the parking area at 3 a.m. with a man wearing dark glasses and a black hooded sweatshirt. So they got a sketch artist and they made the composite sketch and they released it. After the sketch was out, a woman named Carrie Ann Carr told police that her ex-boyfriend claimed to have murdered Chelsea and dumped her body in or near a cemetery. I saw both wordings. Turns out this was bullshit. She literally told police this because she wanted to get her ex in trouble because she was mad at him. That is not. Stop. Stop it. That's not a. mm. Mm -mm. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Can you imagine her parents? Oh, my God. Like, they're like, the police are like, hey, they probably didn't tell him what was going on, but they probably was like, hey, there's a tip. We may have a lead. It's not looking positive that she's alive. Mm -hmm. Then to be like, oh, we found out it wasn't real. 
I feel like in those cases, until they can be like confirm that it's real, they probably don't say anything to the family. Well, it just kind of seems like the family is like up in their junk. So like, yeah, I mean, I would be yeah. prob- right. So it's probably and, and and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I think that's great that they are. No, 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 no. Yeah, I just think that it would probably be hard not to tell them because they're probably like, what? Mm-hmm. Well, after that ordeal, another person named Harlan Bird would come to police and say that he saw two men harassing Chelsea at the party and then drive off with her. This was more bullshit and another false lead. But don't worry, both Carrie and Harlan were charged for lying to the police. Good. So going into November 2014, they started the Purple Ribbon campaign, and this started on uh, Veterans Day, November 11th. So Chelsea's favorite color was purple, so that's why they chose that. And for more than five months after she disappeared, everybody wore purple ribbons to work, to school, out and about, just to remind everyone, like, hey, we're still looking for this missing girl from our community. That's nice. I like that. I like when a community comes together looking for someone. Yeah. I mean, it's really tragic because, like, you know, there's... A life being taken, yeah. but it shows that people can come together. Yeah, totally. Now, the case goes stagnant for a while until March 22nd, 2015. So over six months at this point, like basically six months at this point. And on this day, a woman named Cheryl Retzlaff found a red shoe while cleaning her yard. She found a red flat. Oh, damn. And this would be identified as one of Chelsea's shoes. This was discovered approximately 2.3 miles away from where the party was. That's so close. I know. And then just a little over a month later, on April 24th, 2015, Chelsea's shirt and leggings, which were ripped and torn, were found at a construction site. Oh, my God. I know. Workers at the property came across the items while moving dirt to start their project. Oh, they were like excavating. Mm -hmm. Oh, damn. And they also found her naked remains. Mm. And her body was found like 10 miles from the party's location. Like it wasn't super, super far. So of course, they immediately call police. Good. Yeah. So a forensic examiner subsequently identified Chelsea's remains using her dental records. The postmortem exam showed her cause of death was blunt force trauma. She had multiple facial fractures with chipped teeth, and that indicated the level of violence that had occurred to her. Poor girl. I know. Male DNA was collected from the leggings, but it wasn't semen. Let me just say that. It was like skin DNA, like off of the person, like pulling. Ripping. Yeah. Leggings. Yeah. And honestly, they put the DNA in into the systems and stuff, and they had no matches. But don't you worry, because on July 18th of 2016, we had progress in this case. There was a dude. He got arrested for a home invasion and sexual assault. So, of course, he had to submit DNA. And they take that and it goes to CODIS, all of that. And wouldn't you know, during this, it flags as a positive match for the DNA left behind on Chelsea's leggings. Now, this man was 27-year-old Daniel Clay. And Daniel had a lengthy criminal history of burglary, drug possession, unlawful entry, and of course, the other things I mentioned. Now, when he was initially interviewed by detectives, he denied any knowledge of Chelsea's disappearance or death. Now, I don't think I put this in my notes. He was the baby daddy for one of her coworkers who was at the party. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But also, like, how the fuck could you be like, I don't know anything about this disappearance. It was like literally community wide. Like, everybody knew. Right? 
He repeatedly told police that he never had seen Chelsea and did not see her the night of October 25th and didn't even know who she was. But he was like, but I was at that party. He's lying, obviously. His story changed multiple times. At one point, he said he did see her, but didn't talk to her. And then later he said he did speak to her, but it was only briefly. And they're like, oh, okay. And then when police told him they found his DNA on her leotard, he said that they had consensual sex. But it, like I said, it was skin DNA. It wasn't semen. So. Yeah, but he don't know that. He's stupid. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like they didn't, they let him assume. So then he admits to this. Good cops. Good coppering. Mm-hmm. I don't think coppering is a word. It is now. It is now. <laughs> but even after Daniel claimed that they had consensual sex, he changed his story again. First, he said that he had sex with her once in the backseat of his vehicle, but she got out of the car and they went their separate ways. But then later, he said that he started giving like more details. And eventually, he admitted that he caused her death, but that it was an accident. Because see, these cops are so so fucking smart. They once they kind of like started getting towards the he is owning up to this. Mm -hmm. It's that power of suggestion big time. They're like, oh, you know, like we found out after her exam and this is bullshit. She did not that she has this like rare brittle bone disease. So like maybe you guys got a little too rough with your sex. Maybe like because did you choke her? Like they obviously weren't going to say blunt force, you know, Mm -hmm. to tell him. But they were like, maybe like things went too far. And so he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happened. I had no idea she had that. Blah, blah, blah. And he said that after he left the party, he saw Chelsea walking on the road. So he stopped to give her a ride home. And she accepted and got into the vehicle, which would make sense because obviously she knew him. Right. And he said that they had talked about and agreed to have sex, but she asked him to strangle her during it. And he claimed that he had done so for less than 30 seconds and she unexpectedly stopped breathing. He says then he attempted to perform CPR and was unsuccessful. This was bullshit. But that's where the bone disease thing, brittle bone disease thing came in. And he said that he couldn't revive her. And then that's when I got ahead of myself. I'm sorry. That's when they were like, oh, well, you know, she has this. Maybe you accidentally like, maybe she was just knocked down and you accidentally killed her during CPR. I don't know. I just love, like, here's the thing. We know that cops can lie to you. Like, it's literally their job to lie and get confessions. Literally. His dumbass is like, yup, yup, yup. He just went right. He just fucking fell right into their plan. And according to him, he said he freaked out about what happened and kept driving around Ew. with her body for an hour and said he parked near a rail bed and he transported her dead body from the vehicle to the woods and held her beneath some brush, which obviously that's not where, where she was. It's bullshit. At least lie better. But it's like lie, 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 lie. So he's arrested. They do a trial. And what how this breaks down is the prosecution's case was that he killed Chelsea and hid her body, obviously. Basically, they were like, you know, some of the shit he's saying might actually be true because some of it makes sense. Like the car ride thing, because she accepted the ride home because she may have knew him because of the co-worker, may not have. I don't know. But like got a ride from him. You know, she was in her costume. She was in flats. Jesus Christ. Our elder millennials will remember those not being very comfortable. So, you know, she didn't have her phone, didn't have anything. So they're like, yeah, those are facts. 
Let's face it, summer isn't the only time we get body odor. We can get just as smelly under our favorite fall sweaters. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi Whole Body Deodorant for pits, privates, and beyond. I have been using Lumi for a few months now, and I absolutely love them. The toasted coconut has been my favorite scent, and that does kind of give fall vibes, so I feel like that's perfect. I've liked these products so much that my preteen is now using them and they work absolutely great for her. The whole body deodorant is the first of its kind. Lumi is seriously safe to use anywhere on your body. So pits, under boobs, thighs, all of the places. It's aluminum-free, baking soda-free, and paraben-free. And what's great is it's pH-balanced for safe to use below the belt and clinically proven to control odor better than a shower with soap alone. 12 hours after a shower, the average person has an odor level of 6 out of 10. With Lumi, the average odor level is a 0. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid deodorant stick, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like the mini body wash and deodorant wipes, which I recommend, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code SPOOKEDGIRLS at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant.com and use code SPOOKEDGIRLS. And they bring the medical examiner on the stand. And this is when the medical examiner is like, mic drop, nope, you're a lying bitch, but you're still guilty. The medical examiner explained that Chelsea's cause of death was from blunt force head injuries, not from being strangled to death. She testified Chelsea's body was too decomposed to find evidence of a strangulation. And she told the court that it takes about two and a half minutes of sustained pressure, as we have talked about in previous episodes, to choke someone to death, not 20 to 30 seconds, like he said. If he's trying to go with the whole brittle bone thing, is he saying like maybe he was choking her and he like cracked her, what's that bone that's in there? and Like her neck. The word I was thinking is not the right word, so I'm not going to say it. Hyoid. Hyoid. What is that? It's the bone in your throat. Yeah, that would make sense, too. The medical examiner was asked whether Chelsea's jaw could have been fractured from a fall. And she said that the area where the fracture occurred was, quote, a rather protected part of the jaw. So it would be very difficult in a fall to strike that area and cause both of those fractures. Oh, damn. I love when, like, the medical jargon comes in or, like, the medical examiner comes in and they're like, Mm -hmm. no, actually, what this dude is saying is total bullshit. And here's why. Because this doesn't happen that way. You're like, oh, damn, Exactly, you can't refute it. Exactly. And she's like, that blunt force trauma to her face, those fractures were severe enough to cause her to die. Damn. So she's like, no fucking question. Other things that were presented were that the straps of her leotard were twisted and pulled apart and the crotch area was ripped open and there was blood on the inside of her costume. Oh, so definitely like an assault, not like consensual. Yeah. And then the court heard from the co-worker that had the child with Daniel. The baby mama? Yeah, the baby mama. Her name was Jessica. Oh. She said that she didn't recall him saying anything about Chelsea after her disappearance. And when he was arrested, he called her twice from the police station and left voicemails for her because obviously she wasn't answering. Well, she wasn't answering because she was at work. But she testified that in the voicemails, he said, quote, that he was extremely sorry that he fucked up big time and he was going to be gone for a really long time long time. The prosecution, you know, they urged the jury to focus on three things because these three things would show that Chelsea's death was not the result of an accident. So the things that they listed were the blunt force trauma to her face, 
the blood on the inside of her costume and the torn straps and the torn crotch on the costume as well. Right. Because that's showing intent. Right. Like, I've, you know, we've all been in throes of passions, but like, you're not going to rip the crotch of your pants. Well, no. And the fact, like, even if you were into something like that, like, she's dead. She was murdered. Right. I meant to, like, say that it was consensual. Like, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, obviously. You know. Yeah, no, legit. So the defense's case was that Daniel killed Chelsea on accident. And, you know, they went the route of saying, you know, this was consensual sex, consensual choking. Everything was consensual. But it was just an accident. Oh, and then Daniel takes a stand. Oh, damn. Be prepared to be horrified even fucking more. So he tries to say that the fractures on her face, he's like, actually, what happened was I dropped her body multiple times when I was looking for somewhere to hide her body. Oh, and then and then that when her body was on the ground, a log fell onto her. Oh, and then like, apparently his lawyer is just being like, JK medical examiners have no idea what they're talking about. That's just fake magicness. Because he said, Clay doesn't know how Chelsea's injuries were sustained. They could have occurred three hours after death. Except for the fact that, like, that's how she died. Yeah, if you were a patron, if you're a patron, you know that we talked about, like, bruising. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, like, that only happens if your heart is beating. And then he tries to blame it on being so intoxicated that he blacked out at random parts of the night and couldn't remember everything. So, besides that, another... Expert witness that took the stand was forensic anthropologist Dr. Megan Moore. And she was also asked about like this bullshit story. Like, could this be possible? What he's saying. And she said, I love it. She was like, that's somewhat of a stretch. Okay. She's like, he's full of shit too. <laughs> I like that she said it so professionally. It's like those emails who are like, instead of writing like fuck off, you're like, like, please see previous email. In her, in her testimony, she said that if Chelsea's body was dropped from his height, the jawbone could have been fractured, but would have she would have expected injury on the bridge of her nose as well because it was a protruding structure. And she called out and said that dropping the body or, you know, a log falling on her is not going to cause those fractures, like just not fucking happening. But then the defense decided to call their own expert, Dr. Daniel Spitz. Of course, because he was hired by the defense, he agrees with them that the dropping and the log could be possible explanations for her fractures. But he did agree that the manner of death was homicide. Because it's like, they're not, that's the thing. They, I think they thought that if they were just like, yeah, he did it, but it was an accident, people were going to be like, oh, okay. Like, no, that doesn't work that way. What the fuck? Right. Not at all. Like, here's the thing. If you accidentally kill someone, you should call the police. You will get in trouble. But hey, you know what? They're going to go a lot easier on you because it was an accident and you let them know. You called 911. You tried to revive them. Killing her and then, quote unquote, according to him, burying her in the woods. Like, that's not the appropriate way to handle this shit. No. And they went on with the excuse that he panicked when he realized she wasn't breathing. And I'm like, okay, you panicked so long that not only did you drive around for an hour with her body, but then you took the time to go and try to conceal her. So let's say probably like an hour and a half at least. Like the fuck? 
And of course, his lawyer, when he addressed the jury, like towards the end or whatever, he said it was not Clay's intention to kill Chelsea. He tried resuscitation techniques. What motive did he have to kill Chelsea? There was no motive. Uh, The fact that she said no, the fact that he wanted to have sex and she was probably fighting back. And I mean, and at that point in time, we wouldn't know if there was like defensive wounds on him or like her. Yeah, because it had been so long. Yeah. So on top of that, they also told the jury Yes, he's guilty of manslaughter, but he is not guilty of felony murder as he didn't intend to kill her. Like, give it up. Give it the fuck up. Jury deliberation was only three hours, and you guys will be happy to know he was found guilty of felony murder and concealing the death of an individual. Good. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for the felony murder charge, and he was also given 40 to 60 months imprisonment for the concealment conviction as well. Daniel apologized to the court, but the judge, oh my God. So Judge Daniel S. White was like, no. Judge Daniel said, quote, I spent 10 days in trial with Mr. Clay, and I listened to countless hours of him changing his story every time the detectives questioned him or brought up something new. It was very clear to me, Mr. Clay, you are a liar, a rapist, and a killer. Damn, Judge. Get him. Right? And after his conviction, he was found guilty on that other sexual assault case that took place with a different victim in 2016. For that one, he was sentenced 40 to 75 years in prison. And in that case, the judge had this to say to him, quote, it was a brutal rape. It was degrading. It was dehumanizing. Mr. Clay, you're just an opportunist and a predator. You're a liar. And now you're a serial rapist. Honestly, what is like so sad is from what I saw in reports, there was no, no, nothing told why he did this. He just continues with the, it was an accident bullshit. I mean, it could have been. I don't think it was. I mean, I think the death could have been an accident. I don't. Mm-mm. No, I take. I'm taking back my whole statement. I don't. I think basically he intended to like rape her. Yeah, and he started hitting her, and she died. Yeah, and I, I think. Maybe that's the accident part is that he was like hitting her to like get her to comply and then he just raged. I don't know. Like at this point, it doesn't even fucking matter because dude, like you shouldn't have been like trying to assault her in the first place. Exactly. Fucking piece of shit. And it's like it was progressing his the violence he was doing to his victims. Right. Like he had that rape case and then he had Chelsea's case. So close together. It's true. It's fucking horrible. So that is the case of Chelsea Brooke. It is completely horrific. I really hope her family was able to get closure with how fast they were able to convict him and everything. So I mean that, you know, that's a good thing. It's just it's so heartbreaking. And it's just it's it's just that reminder like shit can happen so fast because it sounds like it was like crime of opportunity. Unless he had planned it, but I don't know. That would have been really hard to plan. Yeah. Because basically he'd have to orchestrate like every single person leaving Chelsea and her being on her own and then isolating her. I think when he saw her walking and he offered her the ride, he was like, this is my fucking opportunity for that. Yeah. I think he was like, I'm going to assault her and she's probably drunk and she probably won't remember this. And he just took it too far. And 
There's no excuse for it. Absolutely no. I love how they're trying to be like, but it was an accident. It's like, okay, you literally took someone's life. Right. Like, I really feel like people who accidentally kill people, there's like a total different behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do know that there have been people who've like killed people and panicked and like hid their bodies and like whatever. But like you were saying, he was driving around with, according to him, he drove around with her for an hour. Mm-hmm. And then he was looking for a place to dispose of the body. He could have, in that hour, he could have driven her to a hospital. He could have been like, hey, I fucked up. Like, I'm a little fucked up from this party. She was fucked up. I got a little handsy. I got, you know. Yep. Law enforcement goes, they go a long way when you come in and you're like, hey, this is something happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you try to help the situation. But if you try to, like, hinder the situation, they're like, we will fuck you up. Yup. All right, y'all. Well, that is going to go ahead and wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be back here on Thursday with the Vital Conversations. Bye, guys. Toodles. Toodles.